Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Kelly and I are joined today with Kristen Haiti. Kristen? I'm so happy to be here. I love our CRC. Kristen, who who are you? Where are you from? (laughs) I suppose I should introduce myself. Uh, I'm Kristen. I'm in Toledo, and I run the volunteer clinic escorts at Toledo's only abortion clinic, Capital Care of Toledo. So we're just, you know, Toledo's like the forgotten city in Ohio. We're just doing, doing our own thing. Side note, but uh, I actually grew up in Northwest Ohio, so like I'm very familiar with uh, Toledo. I used to go to the Mud Hens games <laughs> at the beginning of the season, um, you know, back when I was a kid. So we all got connections. Yeah, we do. And <laughs> and we all love abortion. Yeah, love yes. abortion access, and we love 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 capital care. Oh my yes, goodness, y'all are y'all are so fantastic, and we notice that a lot of other people love capital care too mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. so that there's an ordinance before the um toledo city council it's technically before one of the committees right now but mm-hmm. um before council at large that would be a patient safety ordinance it's a an ordinance that would protect patients there at the clinic because as it turns out, there are a few people, as hard as it is to believe, who aren't fans of abortion access. Imagine. And, imagine. Think, <laughs> and who think that the best way they should use their life and uh, freedom to choose is to try to physically stand in front of patients mm-hmm. and shame them and yell at them and try to turn them back from the care that they've chosen to receive. Um, you know, Kristen, tell us what what is uh, this patient safety ordinance all about? What has it been like doing <clears throat> advocacy there at the clinic? And, you know, why why is this why is this a thing that needs to happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're so fortunate to have council members who are willing to go to bat and and put these important ordinances and this important legislation forward, our Patient Safety Act is, uh, ordinance, sorry, is actually sponsored by council members Comives, Williams, and Gaddis, who are all amazing. And, you know, we've seen things like these come up in other cities. And the unfortunate thing is, so many times city councils just won't do anything about it. They won't have a backbone. They acquiesce to the loudest voices in the room, even if they're wrong. And so I could just talk all day about how grateful I am that we have council members who are willing to, you know, do their jobs and like actually try and protect citizens, which uh, should be the norm, but here we are. So more specifically, this patient safety ordinance is, it's kind of just narrowing the scope of what we allow in front of clinics and how we allow patients to be harassed. We hear a lot of the other side just screaming about free speech. They're going to kick us into the street. We're going to have to go on the other side. We're not going to be able to do any of that, which is just, it's all baloney. It's just nonsense. Uh, we can't kick protesters off our sidewalks. What we can do is focus on how important consent is. Uh, in 
every area of life, but specifically the ordinance focuses on a hundred feet within the clinic, patients would have an eight foot bubble. This does not mean that protesters would not be able to approach them. They would not be able to have signs. They would not be able to have pamphlets or literature or any of that stuff. All of that would still be able to take place. They can still approach patients. However, if a patient says, no, thank you, please leave me alone. Literally all they have to do is give the, per give the person space, which is ridiculous that we have to codify common decency, but I mean, what are you going to do? They can still yell at them. They can still beg them to come over. They can still follow them down the road. They just have to stay eight feet away. Like it's not that big of a deal. And then the other part is just literally obstructing access to the clinic, like blockading access to the clinic. That one, I think they focus on a lot and they'll say that there are no instances of it. But as we all know, we are seeing a resurgence of clinic blockades. We are seeing the rescue movement come back up. And in fact, on Friday, a clinic in, oh darn, I can't remember, I think it Tennessee. was jo Joliet, Tennessee, right? Yeah, the Joliet yeah, yeah. Clinic. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> um, they were blockaded. And they- For hours. Went, for hours. For hours, yeah. Yes. Well, and the police would come in and and just have like these nice conversations and all the protesters were talking about, well, you know, the police chief, he's a good guy. He's like us. He'll do that. They'll come in and they'll be, they'll like hold their hands and just talk so nicely to them and just gently ask them to leave. Meanwhile, patients cannot get inside. Staff cannot get inside. Anybody that's already inside can't get out. Ooh. And this has happened before. Like, three or four times, including one right north of us, uh, Northland Family Planning and Sterling Heights, um, they were blockaded. And as far as we know, nobody has been charged with face. Mm. None of them have caught felony charges. So we can't compel uh, the state or uh, whomever to press felony charges. What we can do is give the city tools at least to give them some sort of punishment, act as some sort of deterrent to tell the protesters, if you come to our city, if you come to our clinic, we're not going to hold your hands. We're not going to baby you. You are going to be removed and we are going to use this process to make it happen. Because they're, <clears throat> they're trying physically to stop people from exercising what has been a long settled constitutional right. Yes. Um, you know, I, it, it always amazes me when I see the tactics that some of these folk employ, particularly at, at your clinic, you know, being um, a, a clinic that has very little in terms of um, private parking per se, you know, all your parking spots are, are right out on the, the edge of, uh, you know, the property. Mm -hmm. Folk literally drive in, pull in, get out of their car and they're, they're feet away from the building already. And these people are coming right up to their cars, getting in between them and the clinic, um, trying to stop their cars, even, even from coming in. Um, when they find out people are there for a first visit because they they stalk these people, right? Like they they record 
uh, car numbers. They record, you know, faces of people. They try to figure out how many weeks, uh, you know, away people are from, uh, you know, possible, um, possibly not being able to procure an abortion. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just absolutely ridiculous, the level of stalking that goes into this work that these people are are doing to try to prevent access and now they're upset because their free speech rights are supposedly in danger i i mean i've got to tell you as a as an ordained minister who has participated in gosh i i would say at least a hundred protest actions i don't think i have ever uh, been in a situation where I have needed to exercise free speech by blocking somebody from medical access. <laughs> it's like if if your if your free speech is like literally physically getting in people's way and physically keeping people from uh, you know enacting their own right to care, like mm -hmm. then then <laughs> you're like your free speech is limiting other people, is restricting other people, taking away their freedom. Uh, it's and, even, and that's not her speech, ahead. right? That's, that's, no. that's obstruction. <laughs> yeah, right? no. And it's, yeah. it's just like, like you were saying, it's like stalking and harassment. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not, that's not covered under free speech. <laughs> no, it's, so why? It really is. And the way our parking lot works, like Terry hit on is you literally pull right into every spot. So there's not one single entrance, one little spot that they can't be. They are constantly congregating on our sidewalks. Um, I have literally been in a meeting with our chief of police at one point, and I was told, unless they are literally standing there and refusing to move, we're not going to be able to do anything. So all of this that they're yelling about is you are literally still going to be able to do so much of the harassment, so much of the stalking, so much of that gross and egregious behavior. And if you're still saying that you're going to be arrested or you're going to be fine, then that says way more about what you plan on doing at the clinic than what the ordinance says that you can't do. 100%. You know, part of the written comments that I was able to submit, uh, in addition to my uh, oral testimony, to which was the, fantastic, by the why, way, why, thank you Here. to the to the um, committee hearing last week. Um, I, I just encouraged people on city council that if if opponents of the legislation are saying that a law to prohibit obstruction and interference is going to cause those opponents to break the law. Well, they're admitting that they're obstructing and interfering. I think you ought to believe yeah. them. You know, if, yes. if they, because they know that obstruction and interference is their only way to try to get the outcomes they want, because they've already lost in the court of public opinion. They've already lost mm -hmm. in the courts writ large, you know, up to the Supreme Court with Roe and many other decisions after. And these folk who most of them, you know, claim some kind of religious motivation for their bigotry, they are losing in their own religious organizations. Particularly, you, you look at uh, evangelical Christians, you look at Catholic Christians, they are preaching a hate-filled gospel against choice and against abortion that their people just aren't buying. People of faith have abortions, people of faith engage in 
uh, birth control measures that these religious organizations have for decades tried to stop, and they're just not being successful anymore. So I, I really see a lot of this as the honest failing of these communities that they're saying the only way we can have our way, even with our own people, is obstruction and interference, mm -hmm. right? I was thinking like, uh, you know, if you can't convince someone with all of that, with all of the things you're still allowed to do, like if you can't convince someone with that, then like maybe you need to rethink your, your like if like just from a strategic standpoint on anything, if you mm -hmm. can't convince someone when you're being so up close and oppressive, like maybe you should reconsider your tactics for trying to convince people. And also like the ability to like, you can give people pamphlets, you can like talk to people on the sidewalk, whatever, like you can still do that and like respect yes. people. Like it's, it's not that hard to not harass people. Like literally <clears throat> just like keep that's, and that's all this ordinance is asking for is like when someone doesn't consent to all this harassment, just like keep your distance. <laughs> Imagine that, like respecting somebody else. It's like the the act of like a clinic escorting is literally just getting them to and from, <laughs> like getting them in and getting them out. That's it. Yes. <laughs> you're, not, you're not even like there to talk them in or out of it. You're just there to walk them. Right? Uh, fundamental for us is informed consent, even for patients. Like if a patient says they don't want us to walk them in, we don't. Yeah. Like it's up to the patient to make this experience how they want it. Nine out of 10 times, patients do want us to walk them, but we make sure that they know what's going on. And this just um, infuriates our protesters. Uh, we'll tell them, you know, that person's a protester. They're not with the clinic. You don't have to talk to them if you don't want to. And we all know that Midwest sensibility. Like if somebody talks to you and if somebody is nice to you, you, you just, it comes out of you that you have to engage with them, even if you don't want to. And so when we talk to patients, it kind of empowers them to say, okay, I don't have to respond to this person. I don't have to listen to them. Uh, and if they want to go and take pamphlets and literature and go and talk, they're more than welcome to. We tell them that all the time. Like, absolutely, you can go talk to them. We'll be here if you want to come back in. Um, just let us know. That's it. We give them the information. They make their choices. Informed consent. That's that's what we care about. And, and the patients who come to your clinic have already gone through their own individual process of seeking out abortion care, mm -hmm. of finding out that there is, you know, this, this clinic in their region or nearby or, you know, not in their region, you know, there might be people driving quite a ways to get uh, to your clinic. They've already made decisions about how to seek care that's best <laughs> for them. And no doubt they had a lot of opinions available to them on the internet and other places that are then shared on the sidewalk. It's not like anything that's on the sidewalk is new or novel to them. Um, no. but, but somehow the people on the sidewalk feel like it is their right to force these patients to hear them. Mm -hmm. um, which sounds like more of an ego problem for the people on the sidewalk than anything else, right? If, ding, if ding, you ding. think that you're uh, <laughs> you're more important in somebody else's uh, medical life than what their 
opinion is you probably need to rethink bodily autonomy, agency, freedom, a whole lot of basic American values, you know? Yes, and they get this information inside the clinic, but the difference is it's from actual medical professionals. Capital Care partners with an amazing um, adoption agency, Choice Network. Um, they will talk through all of their options. Any abortion provider and any abortion staff member across the country can tell you that there are absolutely times where they walk patients out who don't get their abortions because they just needed to come in, talk through their options and get an actual medical opinion that's not ideological coercion that you're going to find on the sidewalks. Mm. Uh, they're mm -hmm. not going to give someone an abortion if they don't want it. Mm -hmm. That It's just, that's it. They're Absolutely. Not. The difference that I see most clearly from my perspective as a, as a parish pastor between the sidewalk harassers and abortion providers, medical providers, is that when I have sat with a patient who looks at a medical provider and says, I don't think I want to have an abortion, mm -hmm. the reaction from the medical provider is, okay. And that medical provider lets them know, you know, what their, all of the rest of their options are and wishes them well and goes out in the hallway and, you know, catches some time to eat a donut or, you know, grab some orange juice and write up some chart notes before the next visit. Yes. When people on the sidewalk are told, no, I don't want your information. They just scream louder and they get more vitriolic. You're going to hell. You're doing terrible things. How can you be so selfish? You're going to regret this. And it is this constant stream of violent, angry rhetoric mm -hmm. that is desperate and deplorable. And, and, um, and it's just not like, at least, I mean, I can't speak to any Catholic faith beliefs, but <clears throat> from my understanding, the belief that like, you know, you're just going to hell because of one thing that you did or like one action that you took and that's it. Like, that's not Christian. <laughs> like the whole thing is that you have forgiveness and that you have the opportunity to be like forgiven and whatever and to, to harass people like that and condemn them and make them feel like they're I don't know. Like, I feel like if that was shouted at me, I probably would take it personally, even if I know it's wrong. <laughs> um, and it just, not only, it just, I'm sorry, I got on a whole tangent, but I'm just like <laughs> mad. It's a good tangent. Because go, people go. people just like are are really making a bad name for people of faith. Because yes. that's not that's not how faith works. Like every, every belief that like, or every um, faith tradition that I've heard about is all about like having that redemption and having that ability to be reconnected with community and um have grace like grace is a big thing um in in my um the tradition that I grew up in I was Methodist and um you know grace is like a really big thing for Methodists especially and like I just can't imagine telling someone like one and done that's it you're eternally damned um and to be shouting that not only to people who are just trying to get healthcare, but like people you don't know, you're not asking them to join a community with them or with you. And uh, <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating too. And they, and you, you do, you hit a good point. Like they make religious people look terrible. 
Uh, if this was the only experience and proximity I had to people of faith, I would be like, hell no, absolutely mm -hmm. not. There's mm -hmm. no way I would associate with those people. And a lot of times they misinterpret patients' um, fears and not wanting to be recognized in their anger. They misinterpret it as like, you see, they know that what they're doing is wrong as opposed to just, hey, maybe the fact that a stranger is out here yelling and following someone down the street would frighten anybody, regardless of how sure they are about their decision. Like it's, it's scary. In an ideal world, escorts, we wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. The ultimate goal for all of us is to one day, like symbolically hang up our vest like it's a sitcom and then turn off the light and shut the door and then you never hear from us again like great let's you know we don't want to exist but the necessity it it's it's there the necessity mm -hmm. to be a welcoming and a kind face to people that are coming in with all all different kinds of feelings about what they're doing you know we don't ascribe feelings to anybody some people are upset some people are happy some people are angry um that's not our job all we are there to do is when they get there know that there's somebody here that's not going to judge them and that's just going to make sure they get in the door facing as little harassment and hatred as possible that's part of why we created our Facebook page, actually, I don't think a lot of people understand what it's really like outside of abortion clinics. They don't, they don't know what's going on. And I mean, Terry, you listen to that hearing. If you listen to their stories, oh my goodness, these sweet, kind-hearted, gentle-voiced people are just out there offering help and happiness and nobody is ever upset with them. I mean, come on, like, Everybody knows that's not true. You can see on the videos on our page where I've recorded people stalking patients down the street, following that person right up to their car door and knocking on their windows until they pull away. We've had protesters follow patients after they've left our clinic mm -mm. and went to go get something to eat. They followed them in the restaurant mm -mm. and started harassing them in the lobby. Uh, and when we're not there, we know patients will tell us they will trespass. They will walk up to their cars. They will follow patients up to the front door. Like these behaviors are, are not what they're telling people. That's not what they're talking right. about. It's, it's just flabbergasting. Right. And, you know, you, Kelly, Kelly got on a tear earlier. I'm going to get on a tear right now because let me tell you, like the whole it. concept of people, oh, we're so nice and we're just trying to give people information. Let me tell you something. I can remember listening on television to an interview in the 1990s with David Duke, right? Mm -hmm. David mm -hmm. Duke of the Ku Klux Klan, who as a white supremacist was clean shaven and put together and had like you know the traditional like 90s respectability vibe going mm -hmm. and he got to sit down and tell people in a nice calm voice why he thought that black people should have their own nation and it should not be the united states 
of America. And I can remember my grandmother sitting, uh, you know, in our, our family home. And she said, you got to really watch those kind of people. I said, Graham, what, what do you mean those kind of people? She said, those people who just slick it up, even though it is a turd. And I laughed I, at that, that image, a slicked up turd. That is what some of these folk are. They're slicked up turds because they want to have an opinion about what other people do with their bodies. And yep. they make it so nice and they make it so kind. But at the end of the day, they have come with a nice, kind, gentle opinion about somebody else's reproductive decisions. And that mm -hmm. is fundamentally offensive. I don't care how you wrap it up. If you're coming to tell somebody how they should operate within the realm of reproductive possibility, and you think that you have a right to tell them what to do with their body, you are disgusting. Yes. No matter how nice you are, no matter how kind or sweet or gentle voiced you are, how many cups of coffee you offer to buy somebody on the Catholic Church's dime, you are slimy and disgusting when you stand outside of clinics and stigmatize people. Well, and I get tired of this um, faux civility politics that people try and shove in our faces. Um, we've like so many people, so many of their people were testifying like, oh, those mean escorts, they're playing lewd music and and they say mean things about them. Like, yes, we do not pull our punches. Um, we say exactly what we think, but how in the world is, um, let's say, playing uh, WAP at the clinic, um, somehow the equivalent of coming to our sidewalks, harassing patients, scaring them, putting them in fear for their lives. How is me calling you um, a lot of colorful names that I will not say on this podcast because I'm going to be good. Um, how are those similar? Like they demand, they demand this. Um, we have to like rise above it and don't acknowledge it and don't talk about it and don't use this language. Like, no, uh, we are going to say what we want. We're going to show you what it was like. And if what you take away from our footage and our stories and our accounts is that maybe somebody said the F word, then you're not paying attention and you're not mm -hmm. listening and you don't actually care about that patient. Mm -hmm. That's it. You care about what you look like. You care about um, what everybody else looks like and not the actual substance and content and the egregious behavior that is happening on our sidewalks. So I can guarantee you 95% of our patients um, are really happy with the music that we play at the clinic, the umbrellas we use to block out protesters, because that's what it's about. And the idea that we have to um, change who we are, we have to lessen ourselves to be palatable to the people who might support us is just like, oh, whatever. And let me tell you, the main difference between clinic harassment and the WAP is that Folk are paying to download that song. Nobody's so paying to download that <laughs> clinic harassment song. So yeah. we, we have had such a great time with you here, Kristen. So, so, so glad that, that we could be with you. And we 
wish you luck and we wish you solidarity in this work that you're doing, particularly around uh, the patient safety ordinance. But we will, of course, be with you in Toledo in this advocacy. Ohio RCRC and lots yeah. of other partner organizations are going to be in this fight with you. And with all of the fights that are to come, because no matter what happens with this fight, there will be fights in the future because there is always room to improve access yes. to people's reproductive freedom. Well, yeah. thank you so much for having me. I love everybody at Ohio RC. RC. It's so nice to be able to point people like this is an example of a faith that loves and supports and protects people. Like follow these people, please. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I just want to thank you for, you know, being a good representative of what community care looks like and what it looks like to actually care for your community rather than just saying that you do because you want to push some kind of agenda. So thank you. And thank you for your time here. Oh, thank you. Thank you.